Can you remember the homes you lived in as a child? Just try and remember. Maybe it was just one home. I just go back there, right? Several of them, you can just bounce around a little bit. You can close your eyes, remember your favorite spots. Right? You remember, okay? You can, you can come back to this moment. Where you lived as a child is not something you easily forget. Somehow, by being in that space, yeah, you grew up, you were shaped, you were formed by those spaces uh, very much that uh, it's a memory you carry for the rest of your lives. There are so many things you have encountered since then that you forgot. <clears throat> Earlier this year, uh, my family moved to a, a, a new home. And once we moved and we settled in, it felt so strange. It wasn't what we were used to the past nine years. It was new. Um, we, are, we liked the place, but it, it, it was strange. Our bodies felt we were in a new space. Uh, we felt disoriented physically. You know, this is not how I was used to working. That's when you realize you rely a lot on muscle memory, right? Waking up and going a certain way. Now you had to relearn. You had to learn where the switches of this new home are to adjust afresh. And sometimes I thought to myself, will I ever get used to this place? But now seven months down the line, I can't even tell when I got used to the tweet. I just found myself, this is now home more than even where we were. I would, be, I would feel stranger in my former home than in this place. Somehow, being in that space, waking up every day there, returning to that place again and again, yeah, I became so well adjusted to this place called home. And, and, and I was thinking to myself, could it be that's how we live our human journey? Yeah? The more we expose ourselves to something, the more at home we are with it. And surprisingly, whatever we expose ourselves to shapes us, conditions us. And before we know it, we are so well adjusted even in our movements. It becomes life. It becomes second memory. Um, right now, there is something that is shaping your life because you are repeatedly exposing yourself to it for good or for us. And I want, us to, I want to bring that to relate to how we engage with scriptures. What's your relationship with the scriptures lately? Yeah, I know sometimes I'd like to have my Bible, by the way, just as a, as a visible. Yeah, <clears throat> sometimes you may open the Bible and you'd be like, I don't even know what to do with it. It feels strange. These words, these old stories, you know, I just read and I just get up and I go, why does it matter? Yeah. So you're in that phase where this text is a bit strange. But I can assure you, the more you return to it, the more you engage with it, the more you open up yourself to it, the more you can discover that it is a profound experience that can shape your life. You, the more you will discover that uh, you're being conditioned by it, even as, uh, by the scriptures as you live life. And that's what I want us to reflect. How are we, can we be formed by the, engage with the scriptures in such a way that they form us? A group of seminary students were invited to take part in a, in a research experiment. They were divided into two groups. And they were told, we're giving you five minutes for you to craft the best sermon you can. 
One group was told, pick a passage that you like. Yeah, that should be easy for you. Go and craft a sermon. And the other group was told, you guys work with a good Samaritan story. They were sent off. After five minutes, they were called back to present. Part of the experiment involved, uh, they brought someone who appeared to be in distress and in pain. And that person was positioned along the way as they came to their presentation. And so the researchers wanted to know, who will stop to pay attention to that man hankered in pain? Does it matter if they were working with a good Samaritan story or any other story? And what do you think they found out? It, doesn't, it didn't matter whether they were working with a good Samaritan story. All they did was to feel the pressure of time and the need to rush and deliver their sermon. And that is a sad experience. That is a sad experience because I discovered one thing. They knew the story of the Good Samaritan so well. They had wrestled with it. They were going to give a great sermon on the Good Samaritan, but that's where it stopped. They had not been shaped into Good Samaritans themselves. And to me, that's an indictment also to me. There are so many times I read the scriptures and I just get up and go. And so I'm asking today, how then does the story of the good Samaritan get into us and make us into good Samaritans? Not just people who know the story and can tell it and recite it word for word, but people who actually become good Samaritans. Because I think that's what scripture is supposed to be. We take it and we become the ways of God and the ways of Jesus exposed in the scriptures. So one passage of scripture uh, that surprises me in how it describes this process of deep formation is what I want us to look at today. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. You may have heard it, but I want us to read it again. Indeed, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And before him, no creature is hidden, but all are naked and laid bare, to the eyes of the one with whom we must render an account. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And before him, no creature is hidden, but all are naked and laid bare to the eyes of the one with whom to whom we must render an account. Even as you start, what this passage is telling us is that to engage with the scriptures is to engage in something profound and powerful, a living presence. And so we are told at the beginning that the word of God is living and active. These are not just lifeless words but this is something living, pulsing with life. So whenever we engage with the scriptures, 
because it is living and active, we are participating in a conversation. We are entering a relationship. It is not just a simple leisurely read. It is a conversation, it is a connection. It is a hearing, a listening in on something. It is building a relationship. One of my favorite quotes is that the written word always points to the living word. It's not, the, the, the scriptures is not the end goal. It's about connecting to the God of the scriptures. You know, um, back in history when the reformation happened, um, the reformers had a motto, you know, they said only scripture, only scripture. They kept on going and saying only scripture. And they said the most important thing is what's on the scripture. But I feel what they may have meant and maybe many people did not get is that it's, it's about, it's only God. It's about the God in the script of the scriptures moving from a point of only knowing the Bible to the point where you're asking yourself, how am I knowing the God of the Bible, living and active? How am I participating in this relationship? That's when we open the scriptures. Yeah? It helps to pause, to know that you're entering into a profound moment to be in a moment where you're not distracted, where you slow down a bit, where you read them attentively, where you perhaps put away your phone and distractions so that you can be in this relationship and connect. It's not just lifeless words, it's being with God in the scriptures. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. You may read those words and think they're describing a theory, or you can read those words and see the relationship that is being painted here. Is God your shepherd? Have you been seeing him lead you to green pastures, to still waters? Can you experience him restoring your soul? And the reality, the truth of the matter is, if it's, the scripture is living and active, then this relationship is unfolding. Then our passage goes on to say, <clears throat> it is sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Right? Um, scripture reaches you at a deeper level. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. God's word has the ability to access all that you are, all that you are, even your deepest levels for healing and formation. The image I get here is one of someone who's sick, lying on a bed, going through a surgery. And scripture... And that's us. And scripture is like a scalpel in the hands of a skillful surgeon, cutting open our bodies so that the surgeon can access an inner part of us that is deceased, that is sick, that is unwell, to bring, to treat it and bring healing. Scripture is like medicine to our humanity as we go on through life. As I was thinking about this, I noticed all the ways I've been feeling unwell lately. 
It's been a week of journeying through a flu. A couple of days ago, I was very diligent in taking my cetries in every evening because I just don't want this flu to get more intense, right? And now it subsided, thankfully, and there's a cough. So with all the dawas and everything and honeys and uh, a little bit of cough syrup so that the cough can go, yeah, medicine for my flu. A few months ago, I was treating my shoulder, right? There was an injury and there was physiotherapy, there was some exercises. So my shoulder needs a different kind of treatment from my flu. And the same, the same thing with our human journey. Uh, different, we ail and we ache in different ways. And we need medicine for our humanity that is different um, as we go on through life. And that's what scripture is, uh, medicine for our human experience. Anytime we are engaging the scriptures, it is not just we who get to know the scriptures. We are known. We are accessed. We are assessed and corrected and aligned to God's ways. So um, that's what scripture does to us. And, 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 and as this passage goes on, uh, the, the image we had of a surgeon, unfortunately, surgeons can only go as far as your body is concerned, as far as what they can see right in front of them. But this passage tells us that scripture actually goes deeper, goes deeper piercing until it divides soul and spirit. No human can do that. Only God who made soul and spirit can do that, can access you at those deeper levels and bring the healing that you need. So spirit, spirit is that part of us that longs for God. Whenever we, whenever we, we are going through life, we find that we, we long for a connection with God. Yeah. And, and God's word is this encounter with the living God. Sometimes we feel the presence of God burning in us. Sometimes we feel God satisfying us at a deeper level. That's God's presence engaging our spirits. The spirit of Jesus shaping you at a spiritual level, drawing closer allowing you to connect deeper, ever so deeper with God. And then the soul level. The soul is your deepest self, your true nature, who you truly are at the deepest level, right? Imagine scripture reaching there, bringing healing, liberating your soul so that you can live a soulful life. Only God's word can do that, reminding you who you are, bringing healing to whatever wounds that have been buried there and allowing you to step into life fully yourself and be the gift that God made you to be. A couple of days ago, I was, I was reflecting on the story of Jesus walking on the water, on, on water. And in that story, Jesus has been holding a massive meeting. And as the day comes to an end, he tells his disciples to get on the boat. They'll meet on the other side as Jesus is left dismissing the crowd. And what does he do? He goes to the mountain to pray. The next scene we are told is that the disciples are having a terrifying journey in the lake. A crazy storm is just hitting their boat and they think they're going to lose their lives. They're terrified. Yeah? The image of 
a group of helpless individuals against a massive ocean. It's terrifying. And sometimes I, I, I was sitting with that story and felt that's what life is. Sometimes we are frail and fragile. We meet things that terrify us, that cause us to fear. And, 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 and as I was sitting with that story, I identified with the disciples. I, I accessed places of fear in me. I named them. And just like the disciples who were crying for help, I was invited to cry for help. And that's what scripture does, allows you to connect at a deeper level. Yeah. And then I was remind, I, I, I just imagined what joy it must be to see the Lord of creation walking on that terrifying storm coming to you. And, 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 and I'm invited and I'm reminded that the fear is not the end of the story. Jesus always comes for us. Yeah. So scripture engages us at those deeper levels. And then we're told, piercing until it divides soul and spirit, joints from marrow. Um, I've always wondered what that is all about. But at the most basic level, this is about our physical bodies, yeah? our biology. Uh, scripture cuts deep. We are being reminded Sorry about the little boy. I hope nothing <laughs> we did wasn't cut. Our body is not just a casing for other important things, heart, soul, spirit. Our body is also part of the story. It is the intersection of our humanity. Paul says this is the temple upon which God pours his spirit. And we're being told right here that scripture is good for our bodies. Um, our Christian spirituality is mediated and happens through the body. You're seated here and you're receiving these words through your hearing and they're reaching your heart and perhaps will begin to form and shape something in you. Yeah. Yet often in Christian spaces, we live out the body as if it was not an important part of the equation. But here we're being told yeah, that when we engage, we are to engage with the scriptures also until it becomes our biology, our DNA. Do you know why you remember the houses you grew up in? Do you know why it's so easy to reflect back and see your house as it exactly is when you're right here right now? It's because you're there every day. You move there. It has become muscle memory. It is your biology. Your experience in the house has become your biology. When I thought about it, I was like, we are being invited to engage with the scriptures repeatedly, consistently to expose ourselves until these unfamiliar texts often becomes so familiar, becomes our muscle memory, becomes our home base. Donald Miller, in the opening lines of his book, Blue Like Jazz, he says, I am early in my story, but I believe I will stretch into eternity and in heaven. I will reflect upon these early days, these days when it seemed God was down a dirt road, walking towards me. Years ago, he was a swinging speck in the distance. Now he's close enough, I can hear his singing. Soon I will see the lines on his face. 
I love that progression. Sometimes it feels like God is distance. Yeah, sometimes he's close, sometimes he's distance. But the, with the repeated practice, we can hear his voice and recognize it. We can see the lines in his face. It's about relationship. It's about getting used to that. So I just want to invite us to pause right here and just there's a meditation I like based on Psalm 16, based on our bodies, how scripture is good medicine for our bodies. I just want you to, to close your eyes right now. I just, just want to invite you to this very moment. For the next minutes, few minutes, we just want to settle into our bodies. It may be so new for you, but let's just walk into it slowly. And the way we do it is just, just take a deep breath and release slowly. And as you do that, as you do that, settle into your body. Feel the way your body rests on the chair you're in. Feel the way your feet settle on the ground. And just take a few breaths. And just listen, just listen to this body that we have. When we begin to pay attention to the body, we discover that it is always sending us commentary. Maybe you're feeling the heat as the weather changes. Maybe you're feeling an exhaustion around your eyes. Maybe you're feeling a tightness in your chest. Just, just take a, a breath or two and listen. Listen what is there. Just listen and take note. And just be there for a minute. With a couple of breaths as you listen. Psalm 16, verse 7, 8, and 9. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also, my heart instructs me. My heart. My heart instructs me. I keep the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. He is at my right hand. Therefore, my heart is glad. My heart is glad. My soul rejoices, my soul. My body also rests secure. 
my body also rests secure. We can open our eyes slowly and return to this moment. The Psalms are very vivid. And in their vividness, they always talk about how we encounter God with our bodies. I taste and I have seen that the Lord is good. My eyes have beheld the likeness of God. My ears are inclined, a posture. Uh, yeah, my heart is full. So no wonder the God's word is good for our biology also. And we respond to him physically. And then we're told, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul and spirit, joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Here we see God's word reaching us at another level a level of our thinking, of our will, a level of our emotional lives. Yeah, how we live in the everyday, how we interact, how we feel about life. God's word engaging us there. Um, one of the things that is worth noting is that here it just says judging, judging, judging the thoughts and intentions of our heart. In other words, we are not engaging the scriptures and it's neutral. Scripture is engaging us. Scripture is probing us. Scripture is shaking us up. Picture, uh, scripture is calling us to something, assessing our real motives. Because as we live through life, we are wooed by many things. We pursue many things. And, 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 and God's word and, and just being in the scripture is an opportunity for God to really reach at that level, challenge how we think, how we see, where our priorities are. And once all that is assessed, it is corrected and aligned more and more to God's words. Um, it is almost like God is shaping our worldviews, how we see the world. There's a Ugandan theologian and author called Emmanuel Katongole. And at one point writing about Africa, he said, in Africa, the blood of tribe is thicker than the waters of baptism. And how right he was. He's just saying that, you know, as a worldview, most places you'll find people are first and foremost tribe. Yeah. Then they can try to leave the commitments of baptism. Later, scripture is coming to us and challenging such worldviews, giving us a narrative that becomes the main narrative of our lives. So I think Jesus comes along later and says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Once again, if scripture dwells in us more abundantly, and it's not just a neutral effect, shapes who we are, how we feel, how we think, how we see the world, then we speak from that. One of the stories I was thinking about uh, how this kind of change happens is when Jesus is hanging out at the home of his dearest friends, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. Martha gets so busy doing what needs to be done 
when you have an important guest to host, to clean, to ensure everyone is comfortable. And as she does this, she feels this um, sense of unfairness. I'm here working so hard, and that sister of mine is just there causing at the feet of Jesus, right? She looks at the experience, at her own experience, the experience of her sister, and she senses a sense of frustration and reaches out to Jesus and says, can't you tell her to get up? And we do this together. And Jesus tells her, Martha, she has chosen the one thing necessary. And I was just thinking, Martha was comparing her own experience of doing things, of being tired and needed help and her sister was rested at the feet of Jesus and maybe Jesus is not so much saying about uh, not doing the work and resting is what matters maybe Jesus is talking about another deeper kind of rest a kind of rest where we feel there's no need to compare ourselves with any other person's experience we just need to have that restfulness in Jesus and from that place we do what we need to do. I often think that after that conversation, Jesus told Mary, now get up, go help your sister. So it wasn't so much, right? About not doing or not doing is where the restfulness is. Can you, that point, the word that is living, and Martha encountered the word that is living and active, and it cut through the thoughts and intentions of her heart and aligned her. Yeah, to that rest that, that she needed more than anything. And I think that's what scripture does. The passage concludes with, before him, no creature is hidden, but all are naked and laid bare to the eyes of the one to whom we must render an account. Um, I've always read that verse as a sense of threat. God is seeing, God is watching. Be very careful but then you just discover you cannot not fail and you imagine all the things that god sees and you go on repenting but this this is almost like the image we looked at earlier on being unwell and a surgeon just having a clear view of who you are everything is laid bare and there's no better thing than when you are not fully well being under the loving eyes of god to treat to see to assess to correct yeah so this is an invitation to be loving and a reminder we are lovingly seen and known and acknowledged whenever we relate with god through the scripture so today all that i'm saying is it is not just a casual exercise to sit and read the scripture uh, could there be any other more important thing you get to do with your life than to carve out moments in the busy hectic world we live in to sit with this text to read it slowly prayerfully meditatively to allow it to get into you your thoughts your thinking feeling walking about world doing world yeah your spirit and soul those places you don't even know what to pray about yeah. and in the process being truly deeply familiar being shaped by these words scripture informing some decisions that you make the way you see the world 
scripture shaping and putting you together and preparing you to show up in the world as you should. Perhaps it's one of the most important things, right? Something we, we should strive for. And even if it's so unfamiliar, just like that example of moving to a new house, when you repeatedly expose yourself to it and consistently, you begin to recognize the lines in his face and the sound of his beating heart and his voice as he speaks to you. So let's pray as we conclude. Our loving God, our Father in heaven, here we are in your presence this afternoon. Listening to your words as they speak to us. Listening to your words as they call us to a relationship with the, with the scriptures. So God, sometimes we do not know what to do with the Bible. But today we are being invited to come openly to read it prayerfully and to allow ourselves to be read back, to be spoken into, to be shaped and transformed by these words. That it is not just about knowing the Bible, but it is about knowing you, the God of the Bible. So help us, God. Help us. Let this be the posture that we have living from this moment. Give us the strength, the patience to cultivate this practice and allow us time and time again to hear from you, to be shaped by your words. This is our humble prayer and request. Dear God, as we gather here, maybe there are decisions that we need to make the light and wisdom that we need. Maybe there are fears that we're facing. Be the presence that comes to us in a reassuring way and helps us and comforts us. Maybe we're running out of strength, we're exhausted. May you be the place of deep rest in us. In every way, may you fill us with your life, with your presence and with your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.